Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. Hi, I'm Renee Battier, and I'm the Vice President of Nursing here at AORN. Welcome to Periop Talk. Today we have Dr. Lisa Spruce, Director of Evidence-Based Perioperative Practice and author of two new guidelines that we'll discuss today. Lisa, welcome. Thanks, Renee. It's great to be here. So tell us about some of the updates in the new book. I'll be happy to. So we have some new and revised guidelines. They have been published on eGuidelines Plus and in our 2023 book edition. And they include information management, hand hygiene, positioning and pressure injury, product evaluation, flexible endoscopes, venous thromboembolism, and minimally invasive surgery. Wow, that's quite a list of things that are important every day. Tell us about the positioning and pressure injury, though, because those are new to separate out. So tell us how you got there and a little bit about that. Yeah, so, you know, we're always keeping an eye on the research and to see what new evidence has come out. And in the last five years, that was when we last published positioning. At that time, it included a section on pressure injury. Mm -hmm. But we did discover there was a lot of research published and it became the foundation for this new pressure injury guideline. Now, we also know that CMS is not gonna pay facilities for pressure injuries Mm -hmm. acquired in the hospital. Mm So, uh, and you know, it's also a serious injury to patients, and they're at high risk in the perioperative setting. So we felt like it was really important for perioperative nurses to have the evidence-based recommendations to prevent these injuries. So that's why we felt, you know, it's important for us to separate them out for pressure injury to be its own guideline, but we also want it to be used in conjunction with the positioning guideline. That makes sense, and it has become a huge issue with hospital quality metrics to be paying attention to. So tell us a bit about what's changed in the positioning. Yeah, so in positioning, we actually added a section on using a briefing process to discuss the patient's position so that, you know, perioperative teens are aware of any specific positioning issues or risk of injury specifically to a particular body part or any special requirements for that patient. And also we called out that patients are at an increased risk of falling. So that was really important. So perioperative teams need to proactively determine which team members will be responsible for remaining at the patient's side at all Mm -hmm. times while the patient's on that OR bed. And clearly communicate that. And also clearly communicate when the safety straps are removed or when the patient is being moved or transferred. Another change we made is that perioperative teams should determine how they're going to tuck the patient's arms. Hmm. Yeah, this was an interesting, interesting topic. We know there are different ways to safely tuck the arms, and we used to be more prescriptive about that, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we know there's several ways to do it, and so the perioperative team can determine what works best for their patient. And as long as the arms are in a neutral position with the palms facing the body, there's no hyperextension of the elbow, then teams can do that as what works best for them. Mm -hmm. 
And also another thing we added this year is that the research, and the reason we did it is because the research was quite telling about the increase in patient intraocular pressure mm. and the risk of post-operative vision loss mm -hmm. in the Trendelenburg and prone positions. So we made a new recommendation to measure baseline intraocular pressure and monitor intraocular pressure in patients in these positions. Mm -hmm. And also, if warranted, to implement a preoperative ophthalmic examination and make sure patients know that if they're identified as at high risk for post-operative vision loss, they're undergoing procedures in the Trendelenburg or prone position, that they are at an increased risk for post-operative vision loss. Wow, that's some really significant and practice issue changes. Tell us then about pressure injury and some of the changes that are there as well. Yeah, there was a lot in this one too. I think one of the most important things is for perioperative teams to be part of their healthcare organization's pressure injury prevention program. Mm. Sometimes perioperative nurses are not involved in this and they really need to be so that they can discuss any injury that occurs in the perioperative setting and provide suggestions mm -hmm. for improvement. And also we want perioperative teams to use a structured risk assessment tool mm -hmm. that is designed for use in perioperative patients. A lot of times facilities are using the brain scale mm -hmm. and we don't want them to use that one because it's not designed for surgical patients and their particular needs. So what is ARN recommending for the perioperative setting? Nurses may already be familiar with the Monroe scale and the Scott triggers tool, but there are two new tools that we found in our research and that are in the guideline now, and they're called the ELPO and PRAMS tools. Mm. And they're both validated for use in the perioperative setting. And these are tools that help identify patients who are at higher risk of developing a pressure injury. And then nurses can implement interventions to help mitigate that risk. The other thing that was changed a little bit too was about support surfaces. And this is an area where technology has changed. And we recommend that high-risk patients be placed on high-specification or alternating air pressure support mm. surfaces. And I think many people think about those alternating air pressure support surfaces, or they think about them moving the patient. There's newer air pressure support surfaces, and they're designed specifically for surgical patients who are having surgery with imperceptible patient movement. Mm. So that's wow. a really cool new mm -hmm. um, technology, and these are great for our high-risk surgical patients. You've told us about recommendations for assessments to identify risks relative to positioning and some of the new support surface technologies that can help prevent pressure injuries. What are other new areas that our nurses should pay special attention to? Also new to this guideline is assessments of patients with darkly pigmented skin. And because mm. their skin can be more challenging to see because of the difficulty in observing subtle changes mm -hmm. in skin color. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the early stages of a pressure injury can be seen by non-blanching redness, which is not readily distinguishable in darkly pigmented skin. So there's new technology for that as well. So thermography is one, and it's a non-contact, non-invasive method for measuring skin temperature differences between adjacent and injured skin by creating a two-dimensional image that demonstrates warm tissue, which is well perfused, or cold tissue, which is not. 
And another example of technology-based skin assessments is called subepidural moisture assessment. That's called SEM or SIM measurement. And SIM measurement gives an indication of tissue changes differentiating between the presence or absence of the early signs of damage. When the skin and underlying tissues are subject to pressure or shear, cellular and tissue injury or damage will cause a cascade of cellular processes. These processes lead to the onset of inflammation and a consequent abnormal increase of the interstitial fluid at the area of injury. And this can be identified as the first signs of pressure injury development. This technology is great. It can be used to screen patients prior to surgery for evidence of existing non-detectable areas of injury. These were all added to the guideline as new technology. It's very interesting to read about the research that grounded this technology, and that's something that we need to be implementing in today's healthcare setting. Wow, those are really exciting changes. I think I know some of the things I'll be asking about on the expo floor this year. Right, me too. (laughs) So I'm a nurse and I've got cases today I need to be preparing for. What are the key practice changes for positioning and then the key practice changes as well for pressure injury that I need to be thinking about? Yeah, I think most importantly for both of these topics, both of these guidelines, is you have to be vigilant about Mm -hmm. monitoring patients for safety. Positioning injuries and pressure injuries, thankfully, um, are rare in the perioperative setting. Mm -hmm. It's also rare for a patient to fall. But keeping patient safety at front of mind is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I think making sure to build in and take the time to do a preoperative risk assessment, Mm. not only for positioning injury and pressure injury, but for falls as well, and identify the patients who are at the highest risk of injury and implement interventions to mitigate that injury. So in positioning, it's what kind of procedures the patient having, how long is that procedure going to be? I think it's very important to think about the length of time the patient's going to be in that position. Ability of the patient to tolerate the procedure. Are they going to be able to be in that position for very long? Mm -hmm. Any comorbidities the patient has, we also have to take into account how old the patient is, what their body mass index is. And then evaluation of the position, because each position has different risks. You also have to think about what external factors will impact the patient. And the number one, and this is the most important thing, is how long the patient is going to be in a particular Mm -hmm. position. And they can't move, and we can't reposition them. So those are the things that you need to think about and be vigilant about. That is a great checklist for nurses to consider in patient positioning. What about some other tips for preventing pressure injuries, Lisa? The risk assessment is also very important for pressure injury with the same reasons and identification of risk so the support services can be used because those are very, very important. And there's other interventions that are in the guideline that can be implemented. So I encourage everybody to read it. Also, nurses need to use their critical thinking skills. You know, they're the advocate for the patients. Mm -hmm. Patients are asleep and they cannot speak for themselves. So they need to be thinking about what injuries could occur and work with the team to identify patients who are at risk and work with the post-anesthesia care team to understand what factors could contribute to pressure or positioning injury. You make a great point. We've been speaking about the perioperative period of time when our teams are with the surgical patient. 
But you've mentioned before that when perioperative nurses are assessing and mitigating risks, they need to consider the full continuum of care the patient experiences. I think a great example is to understand that if a patient has been in a hospital bed or they've been in the emergency room and already they haven't been moving a great deal, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're laying in the Mm -hmm. same position, and then you take them to surgery and they undergo a five-hour surgery. So that immobilization time of the patient is the total time. It's Mm -hmm. not just that surgery time. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for recovery. If the patient can be repositioned in a different position other than that surgical position, in recovery, that's Mm -hmm. the ideal thing to do. Get them out of that position and put them in a different position. And I think the other thing teams can do in clinical practice every day, and this is something that's so routine that you don't even think about it, and that is lateral transfers. And that's because lateral transfers can cause shearing of the patient's Mm -hmm. skin if you drag the patient across the bed. So what we recommend is that you have enough people to move the patient to prevent that and use a lateral transfer device to move that patient from the stretcher to the OR bed or back and then make sure, again, you've got enough people, someone needs to lift the patient's heels to prevent shearing of the heels. So those are just some of the things that they can do in clinical practice. Both of these guidelines give wonderful recommendations and step-by-step processes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, for prevention of of injuries or pressure injuries too. Wow, that really speaks to the importance of prevention. Yes. And how important the nurse's role is in advocating and thinking forward and the communication aspect of it for really protecting our patients for the surgery that they are having. Yeah. There are so many things in perioperative nursing that's preventative. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't go back and fix these injuries after they occur. So you really have to use your critical thinking skills and think about, think ahead, what injury could happen in this position, what kind of pressure injury could the patient get, and, and try to do everything you can to prevent them. Absolutely. I think this discussion has been such a great example of how the evidence and the growth of evidence and technology continues to change the practice guidelines. So they aren't static. They are changing all the time, and we want them that way because how the evidence changes means our practice has changed and patients are sicker. We have more high-tech types of surgery and our jobs are more complex. So this is such a great example of how evidence supports our practice in really providing safer care. What a great conversation, Lisa. Thank you. And thank you for all that you and your team do in really supporting our teams and their ability to deliver excellent patient care. Great. Thanks, Renee. My thanks to all of you for joining us for Periop Talk. I look forward to our next conversation when we'll look at other new recommendations from the 2023 Guidelines for Perioperative Practice. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk.